Today's guest is passionate about her family and storytelling. She has a gift with words and might go crazy without exercise. She knows what it's like to want to do big things without tapping into her kids' college funds. So she's on a mission to help other female entrepreneurs. Brenna McGowan is an email copywriter, Instagram expert, and co-creator of The Content Bar, a membership for female creatives that combines the power of words with scroll-stopping images. The Content Bar takes you from where do I start to writing emails that convert, captions that connect, and stories that get people in your DMs so you, have, so you save time while your bank balance increases. How good does that sound? I think we all want those results. Tune in as I interview Brenna McGowan. Hello friends, welcome to the second phase podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Hi, Brenna. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here and welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you so much. Um, so Brenna, I would love for you to tell me and the listeners just a little bit about you. Well, I'm uh, a copywriter and primarily I focus on Instagram and email. So I love, you know, figuring out ways to connect with our words. And I actually started off this business venture doing social media management and slowly realized that I really love the writing portion. And so at the beginning of 2019, I really pivoted over to email copy. But what I noticed is that e I love Instagram at the same time. And so I noticed that email and Instagram copy in my mind are very similar. And so I've kind of fused the those two together um, in teaching people how to write better copy for both email and Instagram. And you are in the beautiful state of California? I am. I am about, I'm somewhere in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. So I live about, about probably about 90 minutes from Lake Tahoe and about 30 to 40 miles from Sacramento. So I'm kind of right in the middle. And do you enjoy Lake Tahoe more in the summer or the winter? absolutely the summer. It's funny. I uh, am not, I don't like skiing. I don't like cold. Um, so I do not enjoy Lake Tahoe. I mean, it's so beautiful, obviously. And I have a view of Lake Tahoe out my bedroom window. So I'm very spoiled. Yes. I, oh my gosh, my heart be still. <laughs> Something I take for granted for sure. Like my, or not my husband, my son is into snowboarding. He's actually going snowboarding today after school. Um, but I tend to avoid Lake Tahoe during the winter. 
Oh, that's funny because oh my gosh, we love it there in the winter. Oh yeah, if, <laughs> you, if you're a skier, heat. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, now I know. Next time we're there, I'm I'm gonna look you up. Totally. <laughs> um, and so you mentioned a son. Do you have any other children? Yes. So I have a 17 year old son. I have a 14 year old daughter, and I have another daughter who's 12. That's right. So I knew that, but I wanted the listeners to know a little bit more about you personally too. And we have that 12 year old connection. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> it's so strange too. All of a sudden they're, they're older kids. So um, it's kind of fun and different all at the same time. So yeah, I'm sure you find inspiration in them though. And there's, there's one story that I remember you telling, and I think it probably came in email, maybe Instagram, but you were going to Costco. And I think every woman with three kids, probably two kids plus takes trips to Costco. And I remember you telling the story about the Parmesan cheese. Oh, and yes. this is for the listeners. You have to follow Brenna and subscribe to her email list because she's absolutely hilarious. And she takes these average everyday moments and spins them into these incredibly intricately woven stories that just really make you laugh. But I really connected with this Parmesan cheese because not only did she mention this powdered Parmesan cheese, but the fact that it's like made out of like cellulose or whatever. She like went into all wood, these details. chips, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> into all these details about this, this cheese that really we probably shouldn't be eating and they didn't have it. But then lo and behold, here in this obscure place in the store was this one jar of this cheese. <laughs> Well, and you ha you know you're my audience if you love that story because the whole point of this Parmesan cheese story at Costco is that I had been searching around looking for Parmesan cheese and I couldn't find it. I was about to give up, but at the same t point, I was going through an extremely rough week with business and life, and it and it was like out of nowhere, I looked to my left in this random thing of Parmesan cheese was on top of bags of flour, you know, those huge like 20 pound bags. And I just felt like it was God telling me like, I, I'm giving you Parmesan cheese in the middle of Costco. Like you don't trust me to help you. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're in control, right? You're, you're even helping me with my Parmesan cheese. So to me, it was one of those moments where, you know, sometimes we have to look, look to find uh, these little moments where God's helping us out. And that was my moment. So yeah, I just, I loved that. And I think that was, we'd been following each other for a little while on Instagram. And at that moment, I was like, this woman is my friend. Like we would have a lot of fun together because that entire, that entire story and the fact that you looked at that as okay, God's got my back. No matter how bad my week is, no matter what I'm thinking, he's got my back. And even with something as silly as the Parmesan cheese that someone else was going to buy and then didn't buy and left it on the flour. Well, and I think, I know we're going to talk a lot about story here, but I think it's such a good, because at first I'm like, people are going to think I'm an absolutely crazy for talking about Parmesan cheese in this way, like a Costco Parmesan cheese. And I got so many responses, like so many people said how much that story touched them. And I was like, okay, this is, it just, and once again, not only was God reminding me that, that, you know, I was on the right path, but also like how compelling these stories that we tell in our lives, that, that these little intricate, what seems silly to one person is really truly touching. So um, I think that's a great segue into what we're going to be talking about today. So, oh, absolutely. And usually what we do is we, we jump in and we talk about like your first phase and 
just because I really want to dive into this whole storytelling business and what you're doing now, because I think it's so powerful. And for so many of us, when we're starting a business or when we're entrepreneurs and we're working as a solopreneur, or if we're going from phase one to phase two, we don't know where to start. We don't know how to create content, or we don't know how to create content that's really going to reach our ideal audience. So you went from a bank teller or working in the banking industry to being a mom staying home with your kiddos for a while and then working with your parents. And I love the story that your parents have a magazine and you kind of dabbled with editing and all of that. And now that, I guess, was that kind of your launching pad to becoming a copywriter? Well, no, in 2011, I, um, I started slowly going back to work and I was doing blogging um, and some social media posting, some email marketing, but I was doing it for kind of for other people. And um, so for years I was working, I worked from home, but I was definitely like kind of like an employee. And um, back in, I think it was like the beginning of, or somewhere in like the end of 2000. 2017, I was actually working for a company and I was doing, um, not, I wasn't actually, I was doing a couple of things. Like I was definitely doing the mom, I'll take whatever I can to make, you know, get a few extra hours here and there to make ends meet. And my biggest portion of my check was coming from a company who pulled back hours on me because of what something their company was going through. And so at that point, um, at the same time, I had a friend who was starting a business and long story short, I ended up helping her with her social media and her email marketing. And I had this moment where I was like, hey, you know, maybe I should do this, you know, kind of take all of these skills that I've acquired over years of, you know, of staying at home and doing these side gigs and, and create a business out of it. And I threw myself into a business and I can honestly say, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like I didn't even know the word like social media management existed or that this was like a like an actual profession. But I think it was a blessing in disguise because I think being a little naive as to what I was getting myself into uh, helped me, um, helped not intimidate me in this online world that's so vast. And there's, like you said, there, there's so many things to learn. And, but I, I found that I really loved it and I threw myself in. Um, but during that time when I started doing, not only was I doing social media management, but I was also doing blogging um, and email marketing. I decided that I wanted to um, or I, I decided I really didn't love the management piece of doing other people's social media, but I loved the writing portion. And, um, that's kind of when I take, took all of my talents and pivoted really strong into email copywriting. And writing you can do. <laughs> I mean, it, it amazes me. You don't have a journalism background or, you know, an English major or something because you, you have this talent of, I said it before of just weaving these intricate stories and they're all just fabulous. Every single one of them, you just see something or hear something or watch a TV show. And then you have this amazing um, connection that you've used to relate to your own life or to, to really infuse your personality into your business. Well, I was a copy editor 
for along along those lines of all those odd jobs I was doing, I've been um, and still do from time to time copy editing. So I spent tons of time reading through different publications. So I definitely think that has helped. Um, I'm also an avid reader um, and I know you are too. And so I think I've always had, I mean, ever since I was a little girl, one of my first memories is reading Lady and the Tramp with a record player. Now I'm gonna show my age, right? So I've always loved reading. So I, I do think it's partly because I have spent so much time with publications doing writing that I was able to hone in on all of these skills that I've accumulated over the years and really put my own spin on them. But I think the other thing that is a good example by what you're saying is that you don't need a journalism degree. And actually, I think there's some benefit here to not having a formal education. Um, of course, through all my copy editing, I know a lot about, you know, you know, when you should put a, a comma in or you know spelling and, and those type of things but at the same time there's a lot of stuff you have to unlearn if you go through a formal education because online writing especially in 2020 is very different than what you know other type of writing that's out there and so I think in some ways it's actually you know beneficial that I haven't had too much formal training because I haven't had to unlearn a bunch of stuff. I've just been able, you know, one of the, my best tips is to write very conversationally, like you would talk to someone else. And so I'm able to take, you know, that and infuse it into the writing portion of it. I think you just said two things that are really important here. One is that you don't have the formal education in writing that one might suspect you would have because you're talented. And I think it's really important that people realize if you have a dream or a passion or a vision, you don't have to not do it or prevent yourself from moving in that direction just because you haven't been educated in that. Nope, I think that's a great point. Yeah, that's very inspiring. On the counter end of that too is, especially since I've thrown myself into this you know, world I wasn't even expecting, I have done a lot of self-education as well. So I, you know, I don't think, I think it's this mix of yes, do what you're kind of naturally good at, but I am, I'm constantly educating myself, maybe to a fault sometimes, right? Where I'm, I would love it. I want to know all the things and I'm constantly, what can I read or study from someone else to get better and better and hone in on my skills? Yeah. And that's really important because we live in a digital world. So there's no excuse. If you have a dream or a passion and you want to do something, you have no excuse not to do it because you can learn everything you need to know between your Google search, search bar, YouTube, and Instagram. It's all right there at your fingertips. Very much so. And your local library, even, you know, like even if you, and I'm definitely for that mompreneur who is, you know, really starting out and, you know, there's so many, you know, upper level courses and masterminds and yes, you know, that would also, you know, those things are great too, but if you're just starting out, hey, there are a million different, you know, sales books, copy books, even at your local library that you could go and get, and, you know, ways that you, you doing Google searches, like there's a lot yeah. out there. Uh, you know, we, we're so blessed to live in a digital age where you can truly make anything of yourself even more so, you know, than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the library is a great resource. One of my guests a few weeks ago said, mentioned that um, before anyone starts a business, they should read the dummies for whatever books about whatever segment they want to go into, because it's just a plethora of free information, basically, that you could get from your library. No, yeah, I think that's a great tip. Yeah. The other one, the other thing that you mentioned that I would like to really specify or, or hone in on it just a little bit is that 
writing in 2020 is completely online writing in 2020 is completely different than traditional writing. Very much so. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Well, I think really quickly, what my number one tip, if anyone has ever heard me talk, you've heard me say that you do not want to write in regular paragraph form online. Um, you want to keep all of your writing. You want to have lots of white space and you want to have, um, you want to have probably only one sentence per paragraph, maybe two, three at the absolute most and the only time I ever do three sentences is if it if it doesn't make sense otherwise mm -hmm. um, yeah but keeping our you know that that's the easiest thing that you can do is simply breaking up your text and making it very easy to read very easy to scan most people you know probably around 80 percent um, are looking at you know what whether it's your email or your Instagram post Facebook we're all on our mobile devices so we you don't even realize how big your texts are or how or how much it looks like a big blob of text when you have three sentences it looks like it's huge when it's really not so you know that's probably the first thing you want to keep your writing at you know somewhere around I believe it's like a sixth grade level so yeah. you all of these big formal words you know any word that looks a little formal I always go and say hey is there a way that I can you know not use this big word and put something in really simple that's very easy to comprehend um, making sure you know using bold and um, lots of bullet points lots of ways to break up your text is another way um, to ease make your we want to make your reading as scannable and as easy to read um, as possible and even things like starting off sentences with and or but you know this is a big no-no you know in regular school and yet you know that is absolutely how you should be writing um, you know you want to keep your sentences in the readability factor to around I believe it's 11 uh, 11 words mm -hmm. so when we think about that you know where sometimes where you would have done a conjunction and done and or but can you stick a period there and start a new sentence you know so some of those writing rules that you've learned in school um, you really definitely unlearn when it comes time to put your writing online yeah, absolutely. And I was always one, you know, because I was a, an avid reader or am an avid reader and, and I just love literature and English and all of that. I've always been such a stickler about all of that. And it's, it was kind of a learning curve for me. And now it's like, well, this is the, you have to, I think, and I've heard you say this before too, you have to, when you write, you almost have to read it out loud to see if you can actually speak it versus you know like it has to just make sense and i've found even writing out you know when i'm preparing for a podcast episode if i don't have a guest like even writing that out sometimes the way i would write traditionally doesn't make sense if i'm speaking it so you have to kind of backtrack and so i think that's a great tip that i've heard you give other people before Oh yeah, I, I read everything out loud not only because you really catch very quickly words that you would you know would say that you don't have in print or vice versa you also catch mistakes um so right you know doing reading something out loud and the other thing too is um con using conjunctions because especially for coming from like a publishing background we never use conjunctions no uh, can't or don't and when we talk we talk with conjunctions so that's another place too when you're saying something out loud and scanning through it you find very quickly 
likely where you should have a conjunction that you didn't. And I would say when it comes to my typing, even though I've been doing this and type all day long, I rarely type with conjunctions. I have to go back and fill them in every time. So that's another place where, you know, your your the writing becomes a little bit more less informal but more approachable by mm -hmm. using conjunctions. So Well, that's a great way to phrase that. More approachable, less formal, more more approachable. Right, cuz I don't want and everything I say to cuz I am informal in my writing. I, I'm very careful at the same point, you know, never to cross that line where it comes, you know, unprofessional, you know, this isn't yeah. a place where we have typos or, you know, we're, we're being very personable with our copy, but that doesn't mean personable, personable doesn't mean unprofessional. So right. I think for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, this sounds a little odd. Keep that in mind. That's definitely not where we're going. So, well, yeah, because you want to demonstrate your expertise at the same time as being approachable. Exactly. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new, into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online, but you are stuck on the tech and the how-to? You have no idea how to attract new clients into this business. Don't worry, I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During this brand marketing strategy call, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. This includes, but is not limited to, online marketing, storytelling, relationship building, differentiation, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, each one of you will get 15 minutes with, my, with me personally, along with a learning opportunity with each of your peers. We will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success, and I will help you strategize in all of the areas mentioned before. The next mini mastermind session starts May 6th. Here's what a mini mastermind looks like. We will meet for two one-hour sessions. Three of you will go each week. I will personally guide you through high-level brand marketing strategies. I will then open up at the end of each session 15 minutes for Q&A. And you will also have access to the private Facebook group to ask me questions at any time. In the Facebook group, you'll also have opportunities to network, to grow your referral source, and have accountability partnerships. This can be a great option for those of you who want to save money, but have the desire to elevate your brand. To learn more about either program, visit my website. You can find the brand strategy sessions at www.robingrahamphotography.com slash brand hyphen marketing hyphen strategy hyphen session or go to shop on my website that's www.robingrahamphotography forward slash shop and there you will find the mini mastermind sessions and you can register i look forward to working with you can you give us some tips and you like i've said 
three or four times probably already in this episode is you do a great job of crafting stories and and weaving the intricacies through you know with these great details so it's like I'm right there alongside you for these stories but sometimes a lot of people are afraid to put their personal life out there they don't want to be so vulnerable that they're telling these inside stories of their life or or whatever so how do you craft a compelling story without giving away too much information? Well, um, I, my first way is what I call my soccer mom test. And what I consider my soccer mom test is the story that I'm about to tell Would this, would I tell this story to the mom on a soccer field? Obviously I'm the soccer mom. Would I tell this to someone that I know, but I don't really know, no, right? Would mm -hmm. I tell them this story? And if the answer is no, if it, if it stings, if it feels a little raw, if it feels maybe awkward or embarrassing, you know, I wouldn't say embarrassing because sometimes I tell embarrassing stories about myself, but you know, if it feels, if it feels wrong, then I know that it's not a story I should be sharing online. So that's my first way. My second way is that when I tell stories, it's, it's kind of amazing is I'm talking about using everyday stories. So these don't have to be, you know, these amazing, crazy things that have happened. They can be, but it doesn't have to be. People are, you know, we're in the real housewives culture and we want to see what's going on behind the scenes. We want to know. So even, you know, simple stories as to like what, what your day was like driving your kids to school become interesting when you know how to do it correctly. And so I just would, I would definitely say that you don't have to go into any place that's overly vulnerable. However, you also have to be able to, you know, maybe share a few things that, you know, might seem a little odd or different to be saying online. But um, that's kind of how I gauge what I should be saying. If it's, you know, I try not to cross over into something that's maybe too personal, if it's not something I would share with, with an acquaintance. And I think that's a good gauge for everyone to kind of figure out what, what that looks like. Yeah, that's excellent. Because you don't want to put yourself in a position where people might inappropriately judge you just for the content that you put out. Yeah. And I'm also, I think too, like I wouldn't go tell a story that takes away my credibility, you know? Right. And, you know, if I'm having a rough day, I, I'm not going to go maybe talk about that till I've overcome it, you know, where I've had a turning point and I've been able to change it around because at that point, yes, it, it does make me personal because we all have rough days. But if I'm telling you about this story while I'm in the middle or the thick of it, I'm going to definitely take away some credibility. And actually, even in, I wrote an email earlier this week where I talked a little bit about this because it is hard to gauge, I think, for all of us, right? Like how much is telling, you know, how, how much are we, you know, being authentic versus being credible versus being real? And I, I don't think there is an exact science to this, but I think too, when you have put something out there that's maybe a little too personable uh, or not personable, too personal, you, you know it really quickly and then you correct for the future. So um, I think it's something we all have to gauge. And I think all of us are different in what, you know, some people are a huge open book and will tell you anything and other people will not tell you, um, you know, they're very quiet. But the other thing to mention when we're talking about storytelling is I'm always thinking about the reader when I'm writing these stories. So I, I my new joke has been, you don't want to be the person online that people run from 
from at dinner parties, right? You don't want to be the person who, you know, you, you run into someone at a dinner party and we all have that person and you're like, I don't want to get sat next to them. They just tell these random stories and I don't care anything about them. You know, that's not where we're going here. We want to think about what is this story going to do for the reader in the end? And that also helps, like, I think, identify which stories will work and not work because I'm not thinking about myself when I'm writing these stories. I'm thinking about how they're going to be perceived to the person who's reading them. That's a really great perspective to have because at the end of the day we're trying to build a personal brand we want to infuse our personality into our business but at the same time we have to keep our audience in mind who are we speaking to definitely because we have to continue to build that emotional connection with them so that they can know us like us and trust us and i think if if we offend them or if we tell something that seems very odd or peculiar or abstract, they may run from us versus coming to us the way we want them to. Exactly. Yeah. So as far as these stories go, you do this for your clients for Instagram and email lists. And there's, you know, we've all experienced those days where Instagram was down or Facebook was down and the entire universe is in a complete panic and everybody's going to Twitter to find out what the problem is. And we don't own those platforms. And what we do own are our websites. So blogging content is so important. And then our email list is so important. And Absolutely. I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that because I know we have that common thought that if we are putting those emails out, we might annoy someone, but if we're annoying them, we are front of mind when they need our services. So I would love for you to touch a little bit about email marketing and how powerful it is for building a personal brand. Oh yeah. I, everyone, I, no matter which social media platform you're on, your number one goal should always be to get people off that platform and onto your website and furthermore onto your email list. You know, you, they, the online world is very, very noisy. And an email list is, you know, when someone, get, when you get an email, it's only you in your inbox, right? There's not a lot else going around. So it's a very um, personal, and when someone gives you their email address, you know, they're actually saying, hey, I wanna hear from you. There's something about you that I like. So our goal, and you know, when I'm doing my strategy for my Instagram, I'm primarily on Instagram. My, I, every week I'm thinking, how can I advertise or let people know about moving, you know, that I want them on my email list. Um, and we do this by, you know, having some type of freebie or lead magnet, something of interest to them that hopefully pulls them over and has them, you know, give us their email address. In terms of annoying people, I would say a couple of things about that. So the first thing is, you know, if someone has said that they want to hear from you, they are saying they want to hear from you. So it's, that's why it's so important to be regularly emailing our list at minimum once a week. You know, that is going to not only help keep us top of mind, because even if they don't open our email, they're still seeing our name. It still means that, you know, we have a deeper connection. That's the first thing. The second thing is if you're writing good content, valuable content, and when I say valuable, I don't mean necessarily educational. Value can come in all, you know, all sorts of ways. But if you're writing interesting emails, 
people will always want to hear from you no matter how often you email them. You know, there's email marketers out there who email once a day and it's fine, right? The other thing I'll say in that too is if someone unsubscribes from your email list because, you know, because they're, you're emailing them too often, they're never going to be your client to begin with, right? They're, they're raising their hand and saying, nope, I'm not going to be your client. And they're actually doing you a favor. So as hard as it is to see unsubscribes, um, and it's hard for me because, you know, almost every time I email someone, um, I will get, you know, an unsubscribe, but then I remember, okay, just remember that these are not going to be my clients. These aren't people who are interested in hearing from me. And I actually have a mentor, Marisa Corcoran, that I heard, I believe one of her mentors told her this, but that when, if we're not getting unsubscribes, we're not actually, you know, we're not being polarizing enough or, you know, we're not, we're not being different enough. So, um, I always try and remember that too, is that if someone does unsubscribe, I'm actually, it's fine that they don't want to hear my message, but I'm having a message, a message that's at least strong enough to make them go, nope, I'm out. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, email marketing is um, incredibly important. And it's because like you said, we don't own Instagram or, you know, Facebook. And we, one of my best friends, actually, it was a personal uh, Instagram account, but someone hacked into it and she lost 10 years and wasn't able to recover it. And that was just recently. And it was just like a re a, another wake up call of how important it is. Our email list is an asset. And Amy Porterfield, her, she has a quote that goes something in the long, along the lines of the strength of your business is determined by the size of your email list. Mm -hmm. Meaning that, you know, your email list is that important to your overall business structure. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many followers you have on Instagram, you know, it truly matters if those people are coming over to your email list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And anyone who is starting a business, it's a great place to start by thinking about what can you give away that will draw people in. And you don't have to give every single thing away. I think the more we give away, the more people we attract because they can appreciate our knowledge and our expertise and they get to know us, like us and trust us more. But think about something that you can lure them in with and that's called a lead magnet and that will help you grow your email list like Brenna said. Right. And it, this doesn't have to be something super sophisticated. This can no. just be a checklist or, mm -hmm. you know, I even have a lead magnet that is simply a, where I take people to a Google doc with all of the information. And in some ways I think that is even nicer because they don't have to worry about printing off a PDF or filing it away. It's right in their Google doc. So it doesn't have to be something that you spend, especially at the beginning, a ton of time on. It just has to be something that's going to be valuable and make someone's life a little easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I often say, you know, we're sitting on an email list. If you're, especially if you're a parent or if you have a, a network at all, you're sitting on an email list because you can start your email list with whoever you have in your contacts and then, you know, send them the, the first email and just put a comment in there and say, you know, if, if you don't want to subscribe or you don't want to be receiving emails from me, unsubscribe. And they graciously unsubscribe, but most people want to hear from you. And even if, you know, they, and then the important thing I think to realize too, is when you're putting out good content and telling those beautiful stories, you are able to stay connected with someone so that they're going to refer you to someone else when they're out talking and in their own circles. Well, and that's what I love about storytelling. I mean, you know, back to the beginning of time, that's how we, you know, we told 
you know, when they think about, you know, whether it's the Bible or cavemen, like everything started off as like a story of what was going on. We, re we remember stories and it's what we carry with us. So we may not remember some of these specific, you know, and I think what you said about my Parmesan cheese, you might not remember what my specific point was in there, but yet, you know, if you see Parmesan cheese in Costco, you're probably going to think of me and it's because of this story. So absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of things I think I think of you when I see them or hear them now. <laughs> That's <laughs> From all your stories. Yeah. Okay, Brenna, do you have a book recommendation for the listeners? Um, well, I know probably my favorite book. I I have two. Um, my favorite book of all time is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. I am a huge, you know, I love all like Jane Austen books and, um, but that's my favorite book of all time. Um, in terms of for business books, I think everyone should read if they haven't, uh, it's a classic. And actually my dad handed it to me when I went on my first job interview in high school, which is Dale Carnegie's, um, how to win friends and influence people. And I think what he talks about in that book is absolutely, it's so timeless. And I don't care if it, if you're doing online marketing, if you're doing online business in person, he covers the basics. And um, I just adore that book. And I go back probably, you know, I don't know how once every year or two and re-listen or reread it just so I, it stays top of mind for me how important some of these basic, uh, you know, treat, it's just basically treating humans really well. But, you know, I love that book. So. Oh, great. I will put those, the links to both of those books in the show notes. And I'm a huge um, Jane Eyre and Charlotte Bronte and I mean, Pride and Prejudice, can you get any better? <laughs> Absolutely not. So, oh, um, all right. And do you have a favorite quote? Um, my favorite quote is everything is hard before it's easy, um, which maybe isn't the most inspirational. I really think um, I heard this quote probably like five or six years ago and I liked it then but I think going through this online business you know when I when I start feeling overwhelmed um I always go back to that quote that no matter what we're doing the first time we do something it always seems super hard and the more we do it the easier it becomes so uh that's definitely one I I keep in my back pocket yeah I love that and how about um any gifts or offerings that you have, like lead magnets or anything that you would like for our listeners to pick up from you as an enduring piece from this episode to learn more about storytelling and email marketing? Yeah, I have, um, we talked a lot about stories, but one thing we didn't hit on as much is how do you take these stories and switch it over to call to actions for our business? You know, where oh, is yeah. that connecting piece of having this random story into something that's meanable for the reader and also ties into what our main point uh, for our business is. And so I created um, a guide, I call it, uh, it's my segue guide, and you may not have heard this term before, but in an email or not you but your listeners um in your email there's a transition sentence in um that kind of takes you from your story to your call to action and it's called your segue sentence and once you master what i call the art of the segue you're able to tell a story about anything truly and tie it over to something that really connects 
sense to the reader. And um, I had the pleasure of being able to have examples from superstar copywriters like Laura Belgray and um, one of my personal mentors, Chris Orzakowski, uh, another one, Marisa Corcoran and Linda Perry. Plus I have examples how you can do this for your captions as well. Not only that, inside the guide, they give you 10 examples of easy segues that you can start using today. I am an example person, um, like we mm -hmm. talked about. So this is a guide that gives you a ton of examples and really shows you know, I really point out in this how you can use story and what are those little ties that you can start using as, you know, metaphors or uh, alliteration, or not alliteration, parables, like similes, things that will help you create connection with the stories that you're telling. I actually haven't downloaded that one from you, but I'm going to oh go my over gosh. and get that today. Yeah. When, uh, I, when I copy the link for the show notes, I'm going to download it myself. <laughs> I'll, I can, I'll, I'll email it to you directly. So, um, but it is, uh, you can find that at the socialrescue.com uh, backslash segues, S-C-G-U-E-S. Um, and also if you land on the homepage of my website too, uh, there's a link for it on there, but it's a, it's a really great freebie. And I've gotten someone, uh, recently sent me, um, a message and said like, this has been one of her biggest aha moments is by reading this, by reading this guide. And so when I hear so things like that, it just makes me so happy because no matter what we do for our business, we are writing copy constantly, right? And finding out these fun ways that we can infuse our personal story to, like you say, with especially with personal brands, building no like, and trust, there's no better way than using our stories. So this guide will really tell you how to use your story in a meaning, meaningful way. Oh, that's fabulous. I, I think that that's going to have more value than anybody can possibly comprehend. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. And where can the listeners find you, Brenna? Oh, um, on Instagram, I'm at Brenna McGowan Co. Um, and then on um, my website is thesocialrescue.com. So speaking of branding, I'm in a bit of a rebranding myself into my personal name, but I'm somewhat in the middle of it. So... That's a bit, it's a big transition to do that. Yeah, it is. It's a, definitely, it's going to take a little bit of time for me to transition completely over. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Brenna, thank you so much. It was fabulous having you here today and you were a wealth of information. Oh, good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's a wrap friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the second phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.